The following Smart Out moment is scheduled for one take. One take. And it is to break down the hot tags of the week. Introducing first, your co-host, Mr. Smart Out Moment, never misses a podcast, Robert DeFelice. Ooh. <laughs> and introducing your host... He is the one and only master of the Brazilian two-tongue tango. <laughs> it is Tony Mango. Now I need, since I'm the one and only, I need that pew kind of thing at the very beginning. <laughs> What's How up, everybody? Doing, we're doing uh, Smack Talk. That's what we're doing here. So That's right. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing. How you doing? I'm I'm doing as well. Uh, it is one thirty four in the morning as we get ready for these hot tags, and I'm wide awake. So am I. Uh, normally we try to do these right after Monday Night Raw, but I decided to wait and to watch an episode of Table for Three and to run into a bunch of computer errors and still not necessarily fix those. But hey, that's uh, you roll with the punches and you go with what you're going with. So. We've got a couple different hot tags to break down here, and we actually ended up having more to talk about than uh, now that we waited a little bit longer. So we're going to break them down one by one, even though there's not a list necessarily that we need to go one by one. I'm giving you some extra notes that I don't need to do and blah, 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 and rambling on and stuff like that. Podcast-wise, we've done like 400 of these, uh, way more than 400 of these, and we're still just kind of rambling. So I'm just going to cut myself off, and we're going to move into this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I like that idea. We invite you to drop your comments below for all your thoughts on the hot tags that we will be talking about here. And while you're doing that, hit that subscribe button on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications. And you should be following us on Facebook and Twitter at Smart Moment. You should be following our personal uh, Twitter accounts. I'm Tony Mango and a mango tree and a bunch of other things like that. Rob is Dude Felice. And if you want to know some other plugs... Hey, look at that. I got a lot for you. So there's also the merchandise shops on Smartout Moment. There's the Patreon. And shout out to uh, Deadshot for that, for heading up the Patreon and giving a donation for that. Uh, So if you want to keep the lights on and keep me sane and keep me alive, then... (laughs) Consider donating to the Patreon. Maybe you can get some more podcasts of us being in a giddy mood after trying to research the Anawaii family tree and stuff. Uh, you should check out the iTunes feed. You should check out the other audio-only podcast kind of platform things that we've got stuff all over the place on. You might even be listening to us on that. And if you are, leave a ranking or a rating or whatever those things have on there. We've got, I already said the merchandise shops, Public and Redbubble. And I've got fanboysanonymous.com for geek culture topics and stuff. I still have more plugs, but this isn't a plug podcast. This is the hot tag podcast. So we are going to talk about Evolve 131. We're going to talk about this past episode of Monday Night Raw. We're going to give predictions on SmackDown. We're going to talk about some other things. And I want to just breeze through this one really quickly. WWE Chronicle Ricochet. Skip it. Yeah, it's more of a skip it. My big note that I have to myself was the random line in there where he says, I also want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) Which I just thought that, that was very random, and I liked that. So it seems, it seems like a you thing. Yeah, it's just like give that man a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He deserves it. It's fine. It's not the best chronicle. Chronicle seems to be getting worse. 
Like the first one I remember was Shinsuke Nakamura. I liked that one. And I haven't really been enjoying. Yeah, like some of them have been good. I mean, they're not like bad, but you, do you really need to sit for a half an hour of like, uh, I've gone through a lot and this means a lot. And, you know, it's the same kind of things that we see. It's WWE the day of. It's WWE 24. It's WWE 365. They're all the same. And I really wish that they would only do like one introspective type thing and make that like I don't even know maybe just keep the Chronicle name because Chronicle works like WWE Chronicle we're gonna go through the 24 hours of Wrestlemania we're gonna Chronicle Wrestlemania WWE Chronicle 365 for whatever like you know what I mean why not do that yeah the 24 name is stupid I really hate that name the only one that makes sense is 365, and that's probably the one with the best format. Mm-hmm. So merge them all into 365. Or, you know, if you want to do 24, just call it Day Of. That makes more sense, and you're not actually following 24 hours in the day, so don't call it 24. Well, they should also clarify a little bit more with this, because this is labeled WWE Chronicle Ricochet. So it's just all of Ricochet? Well, they only talk about his United States title win. So why not make it WWE Chronicle Ricochet wins the United States championship or something like that, you know? And they could do that with other things too. WWE Chronicle Alexa Bliss's year of recovery. WWE Chronicle 365 Kevin Owens. Like that way you don't need to have WWE 365, but it's WWE Chronicle 365 days of tracking this or, you know, like, Because if you just told me, like, hey, do you remember the episode of WWE Chronicle, I don't know, Sami Zayn? I'll be like, uh, which one was that? Oh, that's the one where they're talking about that. But if you tell me WWE 24 WrestleMania 38 or whatever it is, then I'll be like, oh, that's the one where they're talking about that event. Like, it's weird. Don't like those naming conventions. But I say skip it. I would also say skip the table for three that we had. And I did. Yeah, it was the Hardy Boys and Hurricane Helms. And I honestly don't have a single note from the entire thing. I feel like, and I like didn't put it on in the background and not pay attention to it. I actually sat and watched it. And I don't remember them talking about like anything. So this was one of the most lackluster episodes of table for three for sure. Disappointing. You know, uh... Matt Hardy and Hurricane Helms, who will be on Raw next week, by the way, and Jeff Hardy, they grew up together. I get the reason you had them do this table for three, but I I think I'm spent on that format as well. They don't utilize it properly, in my opinion. Like, there's some of them that I could just show them eating a meal and chatting for 30 minutes, you know, or not 30 minutes, but like the full hour. Or like, you know, there's some people who have great conversations i'm sure this wasn't one of them even though i skipped it and it's also awkward if you don't mind me doing the segue here because jeff hardy was just arrested recently yeah jeff hardy unfortunately was arrested for public intoxication just kind of walking around was it myrtle beach myrtle beach and there hasn't been a whole lot of information of exactly like what went down if he was like causing a scene or something or 
just kind of one of those things that happens. But you got to imagine if he got arrested for that, he must have been drawing attention to himself. Uh, I can't imagine Jeff Hardy intoxicated and not assume that it's just, uh, I was going to call it Day of Reckoning, uh, Victory Road, but in public, like in real life, hmm. where he's just that drunk. And honestly, the bond was set really low at, I think, $200, so maybe it wasn't that serious. Maybe he was just being a little loud and somebody said, hey, get this guy out of here. Yeah. Could have just been slightly disruptive. Somebody was like, you know, trigger happy on the phone, that kind of a thing. It's always disappointing, though, when you hear that somebody has some kind of a slip up like that, because obviously Jeff has gone through so many different instances of being arrested for different things and stuff. And you can criticize this and you can talk about that and you can do all the kind of roundabout discussion work when it comes to that stuff. But I think everybody kind of agrees that it's just like, ah, damn it, that sucks. Might not be the biggest thing in the world, but it's still disappointing. Yeah. I do want this to hopefully be an end to using his addictions in storyline. Like, it's clear he doesn't have a handle on them. Stop using them in story. Yeah, I don't know if that's really a good idea to be doing that with people anymore. Nowadays, it's kind of... Not that it's, like, taboo to do that, but it's just insensitive, I guess. Yeah. But I obviously they get his approval. You know, don't want to be one of those guys, because obviously we, we know nothing about what actually happens. I just don't think it's a smart thing to do, because he clearly continues to fall off the wagon. Yeah. So, you gotta hope, at the very least, that this was just one of those, like... One of those weird instances, you know, like, cause I mean, let's put it this way too. You can have somebody who gets a ticket for driving and they've done something really awful. Like they've been, a, you know, a drunk driver and they ran into a bunch of stop signs and they did whatever. Or you can be like, oh, you were going 26 and a 25 and you got a ticket. And if you frame it as this person got a ticket for reckless driving, you're going to look bad. So this might be, this might be literally nothing. Other than just an unfortunate situation where that happened to have been the circumstances, you know? Yeah. He posted on Instagram, thank you, Myrtle Beach, which I thought was odd. But he does that in every town he's in. I don't know. Maybe it's a little joke. I want Jeff to get the help he needs. But I also think he's got as good of a handle on it as he ever will. Probably, yeah. So you got to hope that this isn't something that's like going to be something to reference again. Kind of like whenever something happens with Sonny and then it's like she goes back into jail and then this is another thing, whatever. Hopefully this is just one of those very, very, very minor little slip ups or something. But we don't know. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Another thing. There's more. We'll say more. You know? Yeah. Here's hoping that we don't have to talk about it on any other hot tags. And if we were talking about those kind of unfortunate situations, let's talk about the fact that Tamina is now injured. She suffered a possible concussion in a match against Naomi at a house show recently. So that sucks. I mean, obviously, that's never anything good. Yeah. But, um, they'll give her some time to go home. 
rest up and uh, try to figure out that family tree of hers. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume that with this new regime, Tamina probably wasn't about to get a major push anyway. But it's, you know, there's never a good time to be injured because you have to get hurt in the process. Every time we talk about her, I just can't help but think I was super into her with the Usos when she first came in. And I thought, what a great foil for Natty and the Hart Dynasty. And all of them, with the exception of like um, Usos on occasion, but they struggled for a while. And Natty who also struggled for a while and just kind of won the day in longevity. They all struggled. Yeah. To meet him more than anybody. Well, Tyson kid. That's a different story. Yeah. This like, they came in and they were like, Oh, this is going to be a big thing. Like we're going to see this uh, feud happen multiple times. And Tamina really like, I mean, it's odd that Tamina's never won a championship because she's never been, she she won't ever because she's like she's never been booked that strong. I thought she had a good shot at the women tag titles. It still could happen too. Like once Nia is back, that was probably my favorite booking of Tamina ever. What just being alongside Nia? Being with Nia, yeah. I, I know mean, they're a little reckless, but at least it made sense. They could do some other stuff with that too. Like they could, if they wanted to, have. Naomi and Tamina as a tag team. So you want to reform Team Bad? I think yeah. I think they would, but the Street Profits are using their theme song. <laughs> what do you think about Street Profits so far? This is a random aside, but they they're too good at what they're doing. They're gonna end up getting pigeonholed and being the fun loving tag team of a certain race. Because they're too good at it. And I think they... Kind of like how Crime Time was always good for the comedy sketch. But they never got a chance to be tag team champions. I fear that for the Street Profits. I don't know if I'm misremembering or not. But they haven't had a live segment in front of the crowd yet. Have they? No, they have not. Just behind the scenes? Yep. I wonder why they haven't done that. Because I think they're too good at doing the commentary. They're almost like the outlandish YouTuber. They're good at commentating on what they're seeing on the screen. Like, I think tonight they were making fun of Drake Maverick and how, well, I can't believe he hasn't done it yet, but he's probably afraid because he's probably never done it. And, uh, you know, there's a reason guys put their height on their Tinder profile, which I. Sure. <laughs> I'm not a Tinder guy, but sure. Uh, and then uh, Dawkins wants to get it on with Nikki Cross. I kind of yeah, like he, that little side. He wants, to, he wants to smoke. That's what it is. Yeah. So let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Let's just kind of like run this down. We, we don't do this all the time, but um, this could have been a, a crazy night. Uh, There's a lot of, like, what can happen on Monday Night Raw? Is this going to be when they start changing things over? Is the new regime taking over and all that? I didn't feel like this was a big step in any direction, but I could see some some changes. There were certain things that felt 
like they were a part of a new regime, namely the stuff that Maria did again. The Drake Maverick stuff is fucking fantastic. And obviously, which it will probably be the big ticket item, we saw the return of Bray Wyatt under some interesting presentation circumstances. I don't think much of that had to do with Heyman, but I do think Heyman had his paws all over Natty winning a match and going to SummerSlam. I think Heyman was all over the idea of Brock Lesnar's challenger will actually be earned and it gives them the excuse to do the whole reigning, defending, blah, blah, blah. And I think, again, that Maria segment, because what the hell was that? There's a lot of this episode that I, overall, I like this episode. I thought it was really good. I think it had a nice flow um, to it. For the viewers who listen to us regularly, Callum Wiggins did not. Callum Wiggins messaged us just recently and said, if that's a new era for Raw, then let's go back to an old one. Callum, you didn't like it? Why? Drop a comment below. <laughs> he, well, he also says, also, I hate to be that guy, but how come the baddest woman in WWE and the woman who won in a grueling last man or last woman standing match was left completely motionless for several minutes after one move from a man? Which, interesting point, and I kind of agree with him, that it was just the end of days after all. It wasn't like he beat her up with a chair. Counterpoint, Baron Corbin is so good that one moves. I thought it was weird that Heyman, he set up the whole... Yeah, will it be Seth Rollins? Will it be Randy Orton? Like getting a gauge for what the audience is feeling. That's what and I was just, thinking too. That it was like, let's see how the crowd reacts to each one of these people, and what could take that going forward. And he literally said, the "Most popular man in Long Island, Baron Corbin." <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to see Baron Corbin go away and come back in two months as kind of that lone wolf character again. The dude collects human skulls. For fun. In real life. Why does he walk around in corporate casual and act like he's afraid of people? We're going to play a little game here. Uh, This, I don't know, maybe this could even be some kind of like future segment. If you think that this is really interesting and you want us to try to make like a whole episode out of something like this. You're given creative and somebody says to you, you have to repackage Baron Corbin and you need to put him in some kind of a team. Who would you team them with? Because you could do lots of things. You can do Baron Corbin does this whole crap that's been happening a lot where it's like he and Shane McMahon or Drew McIntyre or whatever, and it's just a power struggle. You could do something like, let's completely repackage him, uh, keep the name Baron Corbin, but have him be like another member of the Wyatt family essentially and have him like those skull type things or kind of like get you played into that. You could do something like Baron Corbin changes up his gear to reflect that he's a little bit on that creepier type of side, but he's not actually in some kind of a team. He's just sort of more of like, well, I'm a loner because I'm weird and this is why that's happening. And maybe he even could become a baby face that way because he's starting to like 
push away other people and be like that dark emo dude. I kind of revert him back to his initial NXT gimmick where he was just kind of squashing people really quickly. And if I had to team him up in a tag team, I would team him up with Damian Priest. So the other Byron Corman. <laughs> so you can either do that or, and follow me here, if he was going to be the leader of a stable, I put him with the Ascension. And I make the Ascension huh. the Ascension again. I kind of like that, actually. And I'll go a step further. If I was going to give him, let's say you don't like Baron Corbin on the mic, I'll give him Corey Graves as a mouthpiece. Hmm. They're friends. They're genuine friends. They genuinely get along. That would be really good. I don't know if I dig the idea of Corey doing that, but I'm Did really you... I'm really liking this Ascension type thing. Like they, they could be the wasteland and they can just kind of play into that a little bit more. Maybe Baron Corbin wears uh, some kind of an outfit that's a little bit more like something out of Mad Max or something. Picture a stable and I'm going to going to do this segue perfectly you have baron corbin the ascension as like a reinvigorated welcome to the wasteland we're gonna fucking kill you ascension and for the female shotzi blackheart well that would work really well for uh that but i still wanted to talk about monday night raw oh yeah well let's think about that because i was gonna say ruby riot let's let's put a pin in shotzi because i definitely want to talk about shotzi but ruby riot yeah maybe she could be a good mix like that because she's got that alt chick kind of vibe we know that sarah logan's gonna go with the vikings because she needs to and Liv morgan Needs to yeah she i was gonna say she needs to lose the sexy superstars tournament which Really quickly, for anybody who doesn't follow that and wants to know that information, that is going to shut off at some point tomorrow because we're probably going to do our round five setup and all that stuff for Wednesday. So I have to shut off round four about that. But I've been keeping this going because it's very confusing. I I have been uh, trying to track some certain things, and I do think that there's something a little bit weird going on. But since I don't know, I can't really you know, crap on anything. So what's interesting is there are already 403 responses, which is, I mean, the, the highest thing. Yeah. It's, it's way the highest, most, the highest for anything before that was 277. And these votes are coming in like crazy and they're really confusing the way that some of them are happening. Like they're in like spurts and stuff, but I I don't know if anybody's tinkering around with anything, but what I will say is if you're listening to this and you want somebody else to win, then the people that are winning, then you should go ahead and vote and you should pass things around and you should post on other websites and whatever the case may be. I'm not stopping anybody from doing anything. You have the ability to vote one time or at least you should, you know, who else would be a fucking badass? For this Baron Corbin stable with the Ascension. Ember Moon. Turn Ember Moon heel. Let her embrace the the whole darkness side of her persona that she never actually got to embrace. And she unfortunately comes across like she's just a chick in cosplay. Let her embrace her darker side and pair her with this 
stable that I now want to see, even though it won't ever be a thing. Do you think we're getting an inevitable Lacey Lane and Ember Moon tag team? Uh, that's a good question because she does have a mystery partner for tomorrow on SmackDown. Oh, that's not going to be Lacey. I won't be Lacey, but no, I'm going to say no. I don't think they've, they've been a little better. He says, as they do Kabuki warriors versus iconics of pairing people solely based on their race. I think they're kind of removed from that, at least in terms of, well, she's black, she's black, but put them together. They don't do that as much. Yeah, but they have more than just that going on. They're both about the same height. They both wrestle more energetic styles. They both have like... I haven't seen the... much of Lacey. If you check out Lacey's entrance alone, it's very Ember Moonish. Like, she's got, uh, like, a bandana uh, covering part of her face. I think it's a bandana. It might be something else, now that I'm thinking about it. But she's got that, and she's got this whole kind of, like, sort of creepy kind of vibe going. Like, if they would figure out which type of creepiness they want to merge together with, I think that they would just be two of the same thing. Okay, yeah, I just jumped on a random episode of NXT, and I'm looking at her entrance. Yeah, it does. Look very Ember Moon esque. Yeah, she's like so she's NXT's Ember Moon. Get, perhaps we will get Ember Moon and Lacey Lane. Um, some other I things know, on man. Monday Night Raw that I wanted to talk about since we're just that we're talking about these kind of things and stuff. We did get the Fatal Four Way for determining who's going to fight Becky Lynch at uh, SummerSlam, and that's going to be Natalia. And we'll talk about this stuff obviously when we get closer and closer to SummerSlam, but. That's a month away, so that's why we're talking about some stuff ahead of time. You think they're doing this just because it's in Toronto? Yes, and no. I also think... I think it's a Heyman thing. I could be dead wrong. You know, I don't know. But I think it's a Heyman thing, and Heyman wanting to do something else, because I thought they did a really good swerve of making you think, fuck, they're going to move this Nikki Bliss pairing to... Becky instead of Bailey and Natty winning and they immediately get in each other's faces with the Becky goes oh well I learned last night or I learned recently that I'm a lot better at war than I am at love and Natty just goes well then you must be a terrible lover bitch and it's and with a little, your stank ass hair like that's essentially it, it's what a she little said. catty pardon the pun but I like it you know Natty, Natty. Women are catty. I don't think that's unfair to say. And of course, for anybody that's going to complain, it's a generalization. It doesn't mean everybody. But yeah. just this, just the way that you can do the type of like the overly macho guy stereotype, you could do the catty women stereotype. And I think Natty pulls it off perfectly, you know, and they got right down to what matters. And that's, they're going to want to kick each other's asses at SummerSlam. And I think you'll get some Ronda Rousey mentioning in there. Because, you know, Ronda and Natty are friends. Even when Ronda turned heel, they were never opposing one another. Yeah. So I think that'll be fun. I think, and you can parlay this into a submission match at some point. 
and I haven't seen a lot of those, and that would be fun to watch as well. Yeah, so that'd be I think cool. Good move overall. Naomi looked pretty good, even though sometimes when Naomi does things, I think she's just so athletic that they give her these really choreographed to a T moments. Like the split? Like the split or the... Early on, they did this, like, double drop kick into, okay, we're both going to kip up. It was so done in sync that it just came across more like a dance than like a, all right, we're just in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. But obviously the main thing we're going to talk about here is the match was long. And it was an elimination match. And after the eliminations, there would be no wrestling because it would cut to commercial breaks. By the time the match was winding down, there were audible chants of boring, boring, and uh, I think this we want awful. Sasha. This is awful. We want Sasha. And a chant that I haven't heard just used in a while. Let's go Cena. Cena sucks. Just like that whole, we're over this. Please get this off the screen. Naomi commented on this. She simply just put the drunk emoji. Like, you know, she's woozy. Alexa Bliss seemed to take this more personally. At first, she just tweeted, just disrespectful. That was the extent of her commenting on it. And then she tweeted something to the effect of, yes, we encourage booing and cheering, but we don't encourage people to just flat out be rude. And I love Alexa Bliss. I don't think that's any big secret. But it really comes across like, okay, you can't take a little bit of the heat when people aren't into everything you do. The women should, if a match is boring, a match is boring. If Baron Corbin was in the ring and they had this reaction, McMahons would come on TV next week and go, Thank you, WWE Universe, for using your voice. However, with this, they're going to try to say, Well, hey, guys, be respectful. You know, be fans. Be a part of the show. It it was long. It was boring. I think that's okay to say. I think if you're going to get hurt by it, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. And that's coming from somebody who takes criticism to heart and you and i have talked about this off air i can't stand that kind of stuff and i get why it would affect her but at the same time that's the medium you're in and you should be 100 percent expecting that i mean i didn't hate the match at all i thought it was actually pretty good i think it just was too long yeah Because they needed to make it a fatal four-way elimination because they're stuck on this whole idea of two out of three falls at elimination matches and all that. But if the crowd was thinking enough that they could do that for as long as they did and that they weren't, you know, just little pockets of people that were cheering that, then it's a problem. And if the crowd doesn't like something, it's up to performers to make the crowd turn around and stuff. Or... You know, if they're booked in a situation where they can't get around that, then they're kind of screwed. But this, for the most part, seemed like it was just a matter of go out there and have a long match and it's up to you. And yeah, if you get 
some constructive criticism, you got to take it and just kind of apply it. And if you get, I don't like it when people start chanting things like the, you know, Randy Savage in the middle of a match and stuff like that, unless it's like a really bad match. And again, I had no problem with this for the most part, so I wouldn't have been one of the people that's like, oh, yeah, let's try to hijack the segment. But it is a little hypocritical when things become like, well, we want you to use your voice and we want to listen to you. But at the same time, we don't want to listen to the criticism of the whole thing, because it's the same thing as what we had months ago when the McMahon family were like, you're the ones in charge. But if you boo the things that we don't want you to boo, then we're going to be mad at you. It seems like one of the famous clips from all the Roman booing at the 2015 Royal Rumble was, hey, it's just one town. And they're in New York. I could see them just telling the girls, it's just one town. But I think it was more a comment on the format of the match. It was long. Listen, Callum wasn't a fan of the show. You're not going to win with everybody. Yeah, Callum didn't like the show as a whole. I thought that practically everything was good on the show. I liked a lot of it. Like, I really like the way that this flowed. Like, this had, we start, well, I mean, I hate the idea that Brock Lesnar's champion. We're going to, you know, Brock Lesnar roll the hell out of that over the course of whatever. But, like, they introduced that this is the thing that we're going to be building to later on tonight, which was the main event, which actually was the main event. And then set up a bunch of other matches. Is this going to, this is going to happen later. This is going to happen later. We got some other surprises for you. Okay, cool. Within the first 15 minutes, I know the main story and a couple of the other major bullet points. They went to Ricochet coming out. Hey, this is a really fun performer. He's going to go wrestle. Stay tuned. Cool. Ricochet comes out with the Usos. They beat Robert Rue in the revival. It didn't need to be a two out of three falls match. Cause I don't think that these are all that useful, but it was fun. And the club came out and then it became like the heels ball beating everybody down. Well, it's the numbers game. So the heels look strong. I'm cool with that. Ricochet and the Usos don't look bad because they had three extra people attacking them. Fine with that. Viking Raiders beat two jobbers. Doesn't matter. They just look strong. Whatever. They set up this whole thing of payback from last week for McIntyre and Cedric Alexander, which is like, okay, good continuity. You're, you're kind of following through the way that things should go. And Cedric beats Drew McIntyre, which I don't like that that's the case but i'll make the argument that if mcintyre would have just beaten cedric alexander would have been like okay well now he just beat the crap out of him for nothing and mcintyre doesn't look really good in that kind of a uh, win cedric just doesn't look good you know at least with this cedric beating mcintyre was kind of treated as an upset so maybe they and take the it way somewhere. he did it was perfect because it was just a fluke roll up easy to kind of go oh he got one up on him my brain registered that as fruit Fruit roll up up. (laughs) a fluke roll up fluke by the foot (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good way to do it though it's like mcintyre was immediately up afterward and he the whole story was basically like god damn it you got me but i'm gonna beat your ass at some point i'm going to kick your ass yeah next week's monday night raw he might jump Cedric Alexander backstage and whoop the hell out of him or something, you know? And I'm interested to see where they go from there. Then we had this weird thing, though, with Samoa Joe and Finn Balor. This is what I was confused about. Joe beat him through, like, this random pin. And then they just kind of fought a little bit to so Balor could, like, get a little bit of steam on his side. I didn't like that booking. I think 
it was made to look to make Joe look like, hey, anything can happen. I caught you real quick, but Balor got his heat back, and you think, okay, fifty-fifty booking, and then the lights go off. Then that's Bray Wyatt's cue. He comes in. He's doing the same thing that he's done before. He does the sister Abigail, and he leaves. Not a fan. I liked the uh the music getting messed up, but. I don't want Bray Wyatt to just be the same Bray Wyatt, but now he's got a mask. I think they need to hide the mask a little bit more. Like maybe I think he needs to just be repackaged. Keep the hair down because the mask itself, when they were doing the lights, that was a nice visual. That was like, all right, there's a little kid watching at home right now that is going to see that in his nightmares. You know, it's not going to be so effective for us who are, what, 26 and 30 plus, respectively. But for a 10-year-old watching at home, that probably scared the show. Yeah, it's a scary mask, but I feel like it's just going to be Bray Wyatt the way that we've seen him a bunch of times, but now he's got a mask. And that's like... I liked the Firefly Funhouse because of the different gimmick aspects. I was really hoping, and we might still, but I was really hoping that it would be like that he would go wrestle as sometimes the mask kind of thing, sometimes basically rambling rabbit, sometimes as the sister Abigail thing, and give him like the three faces of Foley type of gimmick. But you never know, that might be what they're going for. I really hope so, because if it's just Bray Wyatt attacks people the way that he's always done, he's playing mind games, he's doing weird lighting, and he's just doing the sister Abigail, I'm already done, you know? But while we're on the topic of Bray Wyatt, Harper, who was Wyatt family through and through, is back on the road with WWE. Do you see him getting involved in the Wyatt storyline? I always like when the Wyatt family is just together. I don't think so. I mean, there might be something about that when we get into our predictions of tomorrow's SmackDown, but I don't think it's going to be a Wyatt-related thing. That too, if they do that and they just go like, okay, well now that we're bringing the Wyatt family back, I'll be like, you're, you're not trying, you know? What they are trying about though is the 24-7 championship. Oh my God. Now, I will say I'm a little bit disappointed because I do think that they could have done this better. Yes. But what they did was Drake Maverick and Renee Michelle are at a hotel that's nearby and they book a room and the room that they book is underneath Mr. and Mrs. 24-7 champion, because if he booked it under Drake Maverick, everybody would know that he was there, <laughs> which is like, that's good, stupid logic. <laughs> like, it, it's it's dumb, but it's supposed to be dumb. So it's like, okay, you know, whatever. And R-Truth is there, and uh, he manages to get a referee to dress up as room service and oh. hide him into the little tray thing and pins uh, Drake Maverick who is wearing nothing but the uh, championship and, like, some tidy whities there, there, There's such little nuances here. Like, the idea that this is the referee from the wedding, and when Drake sees this referee, he's just like, oh, fuck. And the referees have such a good time, he can't help but keep a smile on his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also like our truth asking the lobby person if there was a room booked under Hornswoggle, that's lowercase h, 
O R N Swoggle. Did he give him a one? He gave him a one. <laughs> I thought so. Drake Maverick paid this man in cash several hundred dollars and a couple more for himself. And our truth pulls out a one and says, it's still crispy. Yeah. And this can be yours if you tell me where Hornswoggle is. And then they do a thing where they cut to him. He's putting flowers on the bed. And Renee calls out, I'm going to slip into something more comfortable. I suggest you do the same. And he, oh, you're damn right I will. And he takes off his robe and you just see the 24-7 title over his junk. And that's the first funny thing. And then he gets into bed and they're pushing it a little. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, get in here, get in this bed. And knock at the door. She ordered champagne. And he's talking to his boner. He's like, Okay, alright, just, just keep it up, just keep it up, just, just keep it up. And then as soon as he sees the referee and R-Truth, he just loses it. R-Truth jumps on the bed with a crossbody, pins him, and says, Hope y'all ain't constipated no more, and runs out the hotel room. <laughs> but the best thing of the whole thing, Corey Graves says, I would have pinned him with a small package. <laughs> And that cracked Michael Cole, and I don't ever see Michael Cole get cracked. He's trying to move on to, I think, plugging the SP awards. Something, something serious. Or and whatever. He just goes, Greer just goes. Oh, you should have utilized the small package. And they, go, it's just funny. I had fun. Like, yeah, this isn't the greatest raw. But I had fun with it. I had fun with a lot of things on this show, but that was by far my favorite segment. There's some little nuances that I really like a lot. Like, I like the idea that they had uh, Zack Ryder win a match right afterward because he's in Long Island. He's from New York, all that other kind of stuff. And he beats Mike Canellis. And the way that they did it. Now, I don't love this Mike and Maria storyline. In fact, I don't like it in a lot of ways. But if you're going to have jobbers, and they do need jobbers. Let's put it blunt. Some people just need to be the losers. If you're like a Bo Dallas or a Heath Slater or whatever the case may be, there needs to be some losers in the mix. And Mike Canellis is filling that role. So they have Zack Ryder and it's like, you know, from Long Island. And he's, they're like, woo, you know, whatever. And he, he laughs because he's all just kind of like, yay, you know. He beats them with a Rough Rider very, very quickly. And the thing that I really liked about this was Mike Rome literally announces him as here is your in winner the... in less than a minute. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that? That uh, struck me funny. I laughed out loud for that one. And then there's the funny part of you see Ryder in the ring. So at this point, I'm assuming, oh, uh, who's he? Who's he getting fed to? Yeah. He gets who's no like entrance. some kind of like. Well, if if Drew McIntyre wouldn't have already done it at that point, like McIntyre would have like beat his ass or something. And then you see Drake, Ma- uh, damn it, you see Mike and Ellis getting ready in the back, and Maria comes up to him and he goes, "What are you doing?" And she's got her ring gear on, and she goes, "I'm taking this match because my pregnant ass has a better chance of this match than you do." And she walks out to the ring, and Mike hurriedly runs. He says, "I got this." Gets Rough Rider in like seven seconds. And Maria says, Our unborn child would have had a better chance in this match 
than you. Rough. <laughs> Ryder. Yeah, there you go. Club looked strong tonight. They beat the Lucha House Party. Um, we had uh, Ms. TV with Dolph Ziggler. It seems like they're starting a feud now. Which that was that was fun for you, I'm sure. That I I messaged Tony. Oh man, they're gonna put them together. I've wanted this tag team for ten years. Two seconds later, Ms. is beating the shit out of Ziggler. <laughs> then just, like... damn it. <laughs> and then we had our ten man battle royal, and that was. Uh, to determine who's going to fight Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, and it's Seth Rollins, which there's positives and negatives. They don't have that rematch clause anymore, but they clearly just wanted to do the rematch thing, and this is a way to get around it. Better than just announcing the rematch. I'm yeah, still not have... totally into this at all, because it's fucking Brock Lesnar's champion, so, you know. But this, I thought this was a good way to get around that. But I got my hopes up for, like, all right, maybe it'll be Ray and we'll get a different match or it'll be Bobby Lashley and we'll finally get that match or Randy Orton for some reason. I went, yeah, wait, wait. he kind of got killed by Brock and never got a second chance at it. You know, for a, like, I don't know, maybe 22nd period. I thought that it might be Bobby Lashley. There was a little bit where I was going, you know what? Maybe they're going to do that and just have that be like some random one shot match the way that they did with Samoa Joe. But then he gets he's the second person eliminated and I'm like, oh yeah, never mind then. Uh Big E was in there. He got to look strong by uh hitting the big ending on Braun Strowman. Yeah, that was neat. When's the last time you saw Big E trying to fight for a world championship shot? I like it. I think you might see more of that in the future. Yeah, because this very easily could have been plenty of other people. They could have taken out that Drew McIntyre segment and put him in this. They could have put uh, the Samoa Joe thing, he AJ. could have been in the mix. AJ could have been in there, yeah. They could have done, that That could have been where Bray Wyatt popped up to do something. You know, it's cross-branded, so they could have put Andrade in there. They could have put a lot of different people in there just for the sake of like, well, this person's somebody that we could realistically see doing that. Or the Miss could have been in that. Or, you know? or Ziggler, like you could have stuck so many people in this match, but you chose to give Biggie a spotlight. And I think it worked. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Randy always looks good. I know I'm probably in the minority there, but the RKO is so much fun. And I thought it was a good battle. I thought it was fun. You know, you don't see a lot of fun main events on Raw with stakes. And this had stakes. And I no, that's because Otis isn't on Raw. <laughs> stakes and weights. So that's our thoughts on Monday Night Raw. We still have, we're going to talk Evolve. That's kind of the yeah, headline that we have going on here. Don't worry about it. But why not talk about our predictions for SmackDown? Because we talked about what do we think is going to happen with Monday Night Raw when we were going through our Extreme Rules talk. And we just talked about Monday Night Raw. We're not going to have like a SmackDown post show, but, you know, maybe we'll throw something out there in the comments or something like that. I don't know. But they're reporting a couple different things for SmackDown. One of them being that the Kabuki Warriors are getting their SmackDown tag title shot, or their women's tag title shot. I don't like that. I mean, I they obviously they needed to do this match because they built it up two fucking months ago, it seems. But why have that just on SmackDown? I think that this is indicative of them just not ever caring about these titles. And at this point, I wish that they would just give them to, like, two women in NXT or something and just be like, okay, you do something with it, you know? So this is Eric Bischoff's first night. 
And I think Sonny Ono is going <laughs> to come out with the Kabuki Warriors and take some selfies, and we'll be ready to go. You think we're getting new champs? Absolutely. The Iconics you- have done less than nothing, and one of them is getting married. They screamed at Kayla. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best so thing that's so happened in a while. Kevin Owens. Yeah, but he didn't have that shrill voice. He wasn't just like, hey, Kayla! <laughs> Do you think that they did this just because they want to have a title change happen on SmackDown? I think it gives off the appearance of a fresh start. And I'm okay with it because the Iconics literally did nothing with these titles. These titles were built up like the second coming of Christ. McMahon, Vince McMahon, put on a Santa Claus outfit and announced these titles. He did not want to do it, it seemed, though. (laughs) And the whole WrestleMania weekend, you have Sasha and Bailey crying on camera. I'm not talking about the rumors. About how they would literally knock on Vince's door every week and ask for these titles. And then they lose them. And yeah, stories have come out that they had a lot of major plans and the Bell Twins were actually supposed to fight the Iconics right after Mania. But still, it's been two months and you've done nothing. Put it on the Kabuki Warriors and let them go to NXT. Let them go to Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live even, and defend these titles. Yeah, because you mean to tell me that they couldn't have found uh, found somebody else to have some matches here and there? Come on. You could have very easily put them against, you know, when Candice and Kyrie or Candice and Io Shirai and Kyrie were together, then Kyrie leaves. Candice and Io Shirai still stick around to each other. Why don't they get a shot on some random NXT live event? Why not put them against... Uh, I don't know, Naomi and Carmella. They were tagging for a little bit, you know, just to do something with it. They clearly just said, no, nah, that's not our priority. We're going to figure it out later. And then two months went by, three months went by, whatever it was. Well, because in fairness to them, what time have we had in the last two months to breathe and try to formulate an idea? We have a free week this week, and that's been an extreme rarity. That's eh, not in fairness to them. They can figure it out. <laughs> Look, I'll put it this way. If Smart Out Moment had more of an abil- availability for people to do some of the other things, we'd have more stuff. Like, figure... And this is up on the Patreon for people that are interested. This is one of the reasons why that's on the... I think... What do they classify that? It's like the goals or something. If I had the funds to be able to make enough money through the website to even, you know, support myself, let alone to be able to pass it around, then I would hire somebody to take on like the Monday Night Raw coverage and stuff. And if somebody else was doing the TV coverage, well, then I could do editing work for another podcast, you know, like, and you got to all these people that are working in WWE and you've got, I'm sure Peyton Royce and Billy Kay want to be doing stuff. So they've probably pitched certain things and it's just become, yeah, we don't have time for it on this episode of SmackDown over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, Paige has expressed great frustration with the plan because they, they removed her from the GM role, which wasn't fair to her. And then they put her with the Kabuki warriors and did nothing with that. So yeah, I would be frustrated if I was her too. 
Because, yes, she's injured, but she could still give back. Yeah, and it's not like they took out the GM role and then they just didn't have that. They took out the GM role and they said, double Shane McMahon. Uh, speaking of Shane McMahon, he's doing a town hall, which would probably be a showcase for, like, Kevin Owens and maybe Roman if he's on SmackDown. To just be like, hey, you know, you're full of shit, and you suck. I have no hopes for that town hall segment. I am very much assuming Shane McMahon comes out, cuts a promo, Kevin Owens interrupts, blah, 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 blah. It's 40 minutes long, something like that. I don't know. The biggest thing long. that got me excited was that Charlotte was shown in the commercial for it, and I kind of miss Charlotte. I am curious about this, though. Uh, well, there's also this thing about Ember Moon's going to be in a tag team match. I don't think that, that really matters. It's probably Carmella. Well, ugh, God, you said it like that, and now I think you're right. But Yeah, well, they've been teasing the whole Carmella thing. Well, why, why would Carmella be a mystery partner? Because it's just, oh, you know, hey, if we throw out a mystery partner, people will tune in. That kind of thing. Last week, they did a thing of... If you can find a tag team partner, then you'll face us next week. So then it's like, well, she's got a mystery partner. Let's figure out who it is. Oh, it's Carmella. It's the person that's been telling her good luck against the Fire and Desire team for the last month. <laughs> you know, But maybe it is something different. Maybe it is like Charlotte. I don't think so. I think it's just Carmella. But I'm more concerned about this Daniel Bryan having a career-altering announcement thing. I don't well, know about that. He, it's clearly in conjunction with the storyline because he said he needs to aim higher, which is after he lost the titles. So maybe he'll aim higher by saying, yeah, I got two bodyguards now. Luke Harper, get on out here. I could see him ditching Rowan. I could see him replacing Rowan. I could see him challenging Kofi Kingston and that they're going to have that match at SummerSlam. Maybe he challenges Nakamura. I'd be cool with a babyface turn. For Nakamura? Actually, for both at this point, but more so for Daniel Bryan. I know that's kind of weird. I know a lot of people really like the heel Daniel Bryan, but I don't know. Something's missing about that to me. Well, I think he just started. I think Shinsuke, though... As a heel didn't work. It was only funny when he was like, I'm going to punch you in the dick and I know speak English. (laughs) (laughs) Great if that was one of his promos. Going to punch you in the dick. Also, I don't speak English. (laughs) Like, he doesn't even say it with, like, the accent. He says it. It's just, like, monotone as that. So, Shinsuke, can you tell us what your thoughts are about defending the United States Championship against Rusev? I'm going to punch him in the dick. Also, I don't speak uh, speak English. See ya. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know what to think about this, and I'm, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to say that it's just him saying that he wants to fight Kofi. Well, aim higher. Maybe he's like, Aleister Black, you're corrupting the youth of America. And then you get that match. Hmm. Yeah, that might be interesting. Also, Daniel Bryan is very quickly becoming a 2019 Mr. Bob Backlund. Yeah, he pretty much is. He should run for president. He should. Uh, Yeah, so 
think that's about it other than our main topic, right? Anything yep. else that we want to talk about before we get into that? Um, just going to give a once over on the news. The news. Or it just changes every five seconds. It'd be like breaking news. Smackdown has been changed to velocity. <laughs> it's green now. We don't have a green brand. Why don't we have a green brand? Well, because the green brand was Velocity, and then it was Saturday Morning Slam. Oh, what the hell? We need a green brand. Um, so no major news, but I do want to ask you. You hear this thing that the, if you call it the pre-show, don't get caught in WWE calling it the kickoff the pre-show, because Vince McMahon will go crazy. Typical, like, I'm going to fixate on something else kind of thing of the week or month or year or whatever it is. It's so stupid. It's a pre-show. Call it a pre-show. Well, oh, it's going to be the kickoff. What are you kicking? <laughs> yeah. It. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little silly. Yeah. And that terminology stuff, I get it to a certain extent because I am... You know, I got my little OCD kind of things going on. I've got my preferences. I like the labels on my website to follow a certain pattern. I like my puns. I like my, if you're going to refer to something, I'd like to refer to it as that and continue it going forward. But it's like, you know, let's just say if I were running WWE and somebody said, hey, the pre-show, whatever, and I like to kick off better, I wouldn't be like, I'm mad at you and you're going to be fired or whatever, you know? It'd be like, hey, by the way, remember, call it kickoff. Like, you know? But now let's get into Evolve. Now, we talked about this before, how our whole setup was going to be with the whole weekend. This was happening at the same exact time as Fight for the Fallen, so that took priority because it is still kind of like the bigger show. Not enough time to be able to do a post-show because, I mean, I didn't get done watching this until 6 in the morning, I think. So that goes to show, like, then I was like, all right, I got other stuff I have to do. I got to write an article. I got to write this. I got to do this, whatever. Then I got Extreme Rules coming up in less than 12 hours, so let me just go ahead and do this, you know. But we both watched it. We both have our thoughts. So we both wanted to give a little review of this on the post-show in some capacity. So that's why it's going into the hot tags. We started off with everybody in the ring. Not everybody, but a bunch of people in the ring. And I gotta say, and this is not gonna be gonna crap it all over the whole thing, but I didn't like that. I didn't like the beginning of this. Yeah, it seemed odd as a way to start the show. Very, like, low rent. They all were kind of intertwined, though, because it was Brandy and Anthony Green, who are a pairing. And they were also facing Josh Briggs and Shotzi Blackheart, respectively, who were in the ring with them as well. So it kind of played off. Let me just say, Josh Briggs should be NXT champion within a year. Well, that was our first match. So Briggs and Anthony Green, the the, the future is now showcase match because everything yeah. has a subtitle to it. Yeah. Briggs was definitely one of my standout people. He looks like the type of person who should definitely go to NXT and through a little bit more seasoning and some direction and a couple different things here and there. You know, he's not going to be like, give him the WWE title tomorrow type, but I think he's got something that he can really be 
depend upon, uh, depended upon, dependable. That's the word I'm going for, for the future. Can't say the same about Anthony Green right now, though. I wasn't really feeling him. Anthony Green seems like a, an odd gimmick that isn't really a gimmick that he just doesn't seem like he's clicking. But Josh Briggs, I could go on about for a while because this dude impressed me so much. His choke slams are some of the best choke slams I've seen in years. I think he's got a great look. I, I was wondering if that thing on his shoulder was his gear. Apparently it was because he didn't take it out the whole night. Uh, I just assumed that that was like kinesio tape kind of thing. Yeah, he's... But he broke his... What was it? He like dislocated his hip or something? Yeah. Uh, on doing a chokeslam backbreaker off the second rope. Hmm. But this dude was fantastic. And I want to see him in NXT in a year's time. Maybe even less than that. He deserves to be a a superstar. When I was looking at Anthony Green, I said, I think that he reminds me of Pac and um, Peter Avalon. You put them in a blender and you try to give him the Joey Ryan gimmick, but a very, 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 very tamed down version of it. And you get Anthony Green. And with Josh Briggs, I was like, oh, he's Josh from Tough Enough. But if he would have actually amounted to something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So I liked Briggs quite a bit. He was one of my, if I had to pick like five people to stand out for this show that I'd be like, you know what? I think that they should sign him. He's definitely one of them. Oh, when were, he's not even done for the night yet. Yeah, he did pop up later on. Forgot about that. And I'll totally forget about it again. So when it happens, remind me. I, I will remind you. <laughs> then we had our uh, Briggs wins by pinfall. For anybody who wants to know about that. Then we had what they had referred to before as a fatal four-way, but this time they called it a four-way freestyle match, which I was like, you know what? All right. Give it a different name. Why not? It's evolved. Kurt Stallion, Sean Maluda, Stephen Wolf, and Harlem Bravado. Who My... stood out to you the most here? The winner, Stephen Wolf. I thought that Wolf looked like somebody that they would put into the Cruiserweight Classic and maybe signed to NXT and that he carried himself like he was an NXT star. Like he had, um, Oh God, what was his nickname? The leader of the pack, Stephen Wolf was yeah. his nickname. So I like that. He had ring gear that looked like he actually cared. Like he wasn't just wearing like black trunks or something like that. He had a little bit of a taunt that was specific for himself. And I liked his in ring work. So Wolf was another one that I was like, you know what? Sign that guy. Give him a contract. I feel like and he'll I've, just be filler on 205 Live, though. Maybe. But you know what? Bring him in. Try something out. He could be the, another Drew Gulak type or something, for all we know. Uh, I've seen a little bit of Sean Maluda here and there from NXT and stuff, and he was the second best in this match, I think. He was my favorite. I think that they should sign him. Unless... And this is a weird kind of thing to think of, but I could see there being a rationality behind this, that they would go, look, Sean Maluda is somebody who is relatively not going to make it all that far in this business. And if we sign him to NXT, he's just going to be another jobber like Raul Mendoza. So why don't we keep him in Evolve and maybe he can bring up a bunch of other people and work with them 
and we can use him as like one of our go-to guys in Evolve. That's the only way I can understand them not signing him. So you but want I think that they like should a, sign him too. You want him to be a cash zone type? Kinda. Yeah. I like Maluda. Maluda looks like a badass. And he should be signed already. I don't know why he's not signed. I we we joked about it earlier. I genuinely don't know why. If they are even remotely in that Anawaii family tree, why they're just not handed a contract as soon as they turn 18. Well, I don't know about that. This is early, but at the same time, Shamalud has wrestled enough now. We should know whether or not that's something to invest in. And I, by the base of uh, this match, I would invest in him. Name one bad Samoan. Well, there was the wild Samoans. They weren't the bad Samoans. There was... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's see. I guess, technically, the worst that I can think of is Manu. That's the only one, and I really think that's because he was there and he was gone. He didn't even get to experience it. But those guys are so good, and Sean Maluda, I got that vibe of, like, you're going to be special. Just like right now in MLW, Jacob Fatu is special. Just like Lance is killing it where he's doing stuff. I, I think those guys are just so good. How old is Sean Maluda? No clue. Probably in his 20s, I think. You know who I did learn the age of, Tony? Who's that? Austin Theory. Yeah, well, we'll talk about him because that's another thing. Uh, Sean Maluda is apparently 30. So, yeah, he's young enough. Like, sign the guy. Put him in NXT. You know, at the very least, what's the bad thing of having him show around the loops that they've got, you know? Put Sean Maluda in matches against Keith Lee and stuff. Like, that could be fun. Didn't really like Harlem Bravado. Yeah, I'm with you. And Kurt Stallion looks like the type of person, again, I'm basing this off of one match too, but Kurt Stallion looks exactly like the type of person that Vince McMahon would see and go, this is why I don't watch Evolve. So, admittedly, I talked him up on last week's episode. I've seen clips of him. I thought he was bigger. And I'm I'm, I'm no one to talk. But I thought he was bigger. He looked really small on the show here. So I wasn't as impressed with him as I thought I would be. Yeah, he looked really thin. Really, like Colin Delaney. Yeah, perfect. So that is something that is just not going to work in WWE. Because let's face it, even though it's not the same land of the Giants the way that it used to be, you put up Sean Spears against the people that were in that match in AEW, and Sean Spears looked big. And Spears is not one of those big guys in WWE. So if you were to put Kurt Stallion next to a Randy Orton, I can't buy that Kurt Stallion's going to beat him. Rey Mysterio's got more muscle definition, you know? You remember when Adam Cole joined in the Rumble last year? Yeah, it it looked a little strange. It was the first time I was like, oh shit, Cole is a small dude. Yeah. That's what so that's like. that's throwing me off about Kurt Stallion, and I didn't see enough in this match for him to be like, well, that's that's a negative working against him. But at the same time, he did this crazy thing, and this was great. I didn't really like this match all that much. I think that it was really too much, kind of like the AEW stuff that I had just watched. And after seeing so many super kicks and everything, I was like, all right, I get it. I've seen it already. That's not their fault, but at the same time, I wasn't feeling it. I agree. 
Then we had our grudge match, Anthony Henry against, and I've apparently been pronouncing pronouncing this wrong. Also, I've been pronouncing pronouncing wrong, if I'm going to botch it like that. Pronouncing, uh, I've been saying Arturo Ruas, but they had said Arturo Huas, which to me immediately made me think of Son of a Woman. Just like the grudge match, it's Anthony Henry against Arturo Huas. <laughs> Just be like, do that every fucking time he comes out. What do but you think I've seen, him? well, I've seen Adrian Joge in NXT getting his ass beat by a variety of different people, and they never really showcased him because he was just the jobber in the match. This match, he looked pretty cool. Uh, what do you think about the the attire? Like, he's got that Brazilian the... capoeira style that he just sort of doesn't wear shoes. He's got his feet taped up. Is that I... a gi? Technically, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I like that. That was I was different. super into this match. I liked it a lot. I thought that they wrestled a completely different style than the matches that were ahead of that. Like they were striking to. My note is, uh, the two of them are striking each other harder and giving a feel that they actually want to fight rather than having a choreographed performance. Kind of goes I li- into uh, Henry's busted nose. Yeah, I liked Henry in this match too. This is the first thing that I've ever seen of Anthony Henry, and I was like, you know what? Give Huas more time in NXT. Give Henry a contract. Give Henry a contract, yeah. I I agree 100%. In fact, I was watching this, and sometimes I my little cousin will come in the room and she'll sit there and watch. She was immediately like, that's a cool guy. I want to see more of him. In reference to Henry, she like got it right away because hmm. he looks like a star. He's one of the few guys who knew how to carry himself. Now, he's the type of guy that I could see working really well through the performance center of them saying, you need a little bit more character. You need to do something to tweak a little bit here and there. Because if he's just Anthony Henry, that's not going to be like a good selling point. But he's got a lot of the tools already that I could see them tweaking a couple things and a year from now they debut him as something in particular and it'd be like, you know, this guy's pretty good. And if I wouldn't have seen this match, I think if they would have debuted him a, a year from now in something on NXT and they would have had just like whatever the fuck they would have named him, I don't know. And been like, you know, we're making a big deal that we're signing this guy. I'd be like, oh, I'd never really heard of this guy, but let's see what he is. And I probably would be like, oh, he's got a future, you know. I guess technically the way that I am doing with this whole evolve thing as it is because it's the first signing of all, but I liked both of them in this. I like this match, and like you said, uh, Huas was really cool. Had a cool look to him. Need to see more of that, and you know, really, I want to see more of that going forward. I feel like if Huas had the height that Cesar Bononi has he would have been treated as a big deal already. I'm, I could see that. Because Bononi's not going anywhere. That seems like that's a guarantee at this point. It's weird how there's certain people that are like that. Like, how long has Dan Matha been in NXT where they still have not debuted him for real? Didn't they change his name finally, though? Yeah, he's Dorian Mack, I think, now. And did they change Bononi? Nah. Ah, uh, he's still Bononi? Yep, he's still Caesar Benini, Bononi, Banana, Banana, Fono Fabana, whatever. 
Hooahs. <laughs> then we got my favorite match of the night. Hands down my favorite match of the night. The no disqualification match between Brandy Lauren and Shotzi Blackheart. I had seen one match of Brandy Lauren in NXT. And I had heard that she was Ava Story. And I was like, oh, I've heard that name before, but I've never seen anything. Never had heard of Shotzi Blackheart in my life. Hey, porn star, superstar, Ava Story. Yeah, that would have been a good one. I probably would have been like, uh. <laughs> For that matter, Shotzi Blackheart to a certain extent. Brandy Lauren, definitely. Um, this was awesome. I love Shotzi. Shotzi should be signed. Both of them should be signed. Definitely. I like Brandy as a valet, and I think that's okay. I think valets are underutilized. She knows what she's doing. She knew how to really piss off the crowd. And Shotzi is a daredevil. She tried to she fucking jumped onto a pile of chairs. So this yeah, two parts in this that I had written down in particular that stood out to me were there's a drop kick section where she drop kicks the chair and the sound was really cool. I really like that. But man, that spot with the it was four chairs and then there's another chair on top of that and she puts Brandy Lauren in there and the plan is <laughs> you're going to jump and you're going to land on top of that. Well, she gets pulled off of it. So Shotzi just face plants on top of that. That's one of the like one of those moments where I was just like, ouch. Fuck. No, don't do that. Like, you know. She had signed on for Tough Enough and I think had to withdraw because of some health issues. Shotzi? Yeah. And I really want her to get a chance now. She's too good to be ignored. I'm surprised that we haven't seen Shotzi in NXT already, really. Shotzi is special. And I hope she gets utilized on NXT TV very soon. Yeah, I think that they need to sign these two. Brandy Lauren, maybe in some kind of the capacity of being like, all right, you might need to go a little bit more training through this or do some different things like that. But I say you put these both in the Mae Young Classic. They're probably going to do another one of those. So put them in there. Have Shotzi be the type that maybe she gets into the second round or something like that, depending on who else is in there. Don't know anything about this Natalia Markova, though. Yeah. She, she showed up and she just kind of fucked off. So what was all that about? Well, I think there's some prior history between her and Shotzi. And I think she fucked off because Shotzi got the better of her. Huh. And the match wasn't between... When I first saw that, I thought, okay, so Lauren isn't going to wrestle and is not a wrestler. But she came in and she came back strong. And, you know, I could see Brandy Lauren easily taking over that Alexa Bliss role of the pretty girl who's just an absolute bitch and is, like, so fun to hate. And I think she does that role very well. Yeah, I I didn't see almost anything from Markova to really be able to judge anything about her, you know, to be like, all right, well, sign her, too, or something. She looks like she's got like the look of somebody that they would want to sign, you know, good body and everything like that. 
So maybe, I don't know. We'll have to see in the future if that's something. But Brandy Lauren at least had the character going down. And I mean, she's, you know, she's attractive. So it's another positive when it comes to that. But and Shotzi was the one that was like, she was dictating this match. I'll be honest. I think to a certain extent, when you look at the rosters on the main, the women's rosters on the main roster, Shotzi could probably fit right around SmackDown. Yeah, Hell, Shotzi could be Ember Moon's partner, and I'd be like, "Yup, I'd be cool with it." To be like, "All right, you're hot shotting somebody like that," but hey, that's interesting. Um, I'm with it. Then we had a special challenge match: Babatunde against ba Colby Carino. Babatunde, 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 Babatunde. No, so. Baba Tunde's huge. He's fucking big. And I gotta tell you, Colby Carino isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a squash match, essentially. So it's like, you know. Well, oh, this he... is where I wrote a note to myself of stop cutting off the audio. I forgot that they were doing that. They did not have an idea of having to lower the volume for this. It was like any time that they needed to switch to something else or shut something off, the themes and stuff would just cut out. It was really yeah, it was very weird. Direct. So if like Undisputed Era is like, and it's like, oh, wow, you literally hit the stop button. <laughs> yep. you know? So I didn't like that. But uh, Baba Tunde is just slapping him. And there was a part in this I thought was kind of funny where a bunch of uh, sweat comes off of Colby Carino and the one commentator, because there was only the one of them, which I don't know if I like a one man team like that, but you know, whatever. He Lenny says, Leonard I don't... is very good. Lenny Leonard can do it by himself. He said, I don't think that that was perspiration. I think that was Colby Carino's soul. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, it's, it's a huge dude picking on a little guy. I'm confused about what the whole thing with uh, the stable is. The unwanted. Yeah, they're just like a different version of the Forgotten Sons, I guess. You know, you said that, and I'm going to say yes. That's that's a good description. So the Forgotten Sons that haven't seen Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Baba Tunde? I, I think because of that saying, he's huge. Yeah, Baba Tunde is huge. Was Court more with him? Nope. Um. Why? <laughs> Stokely Hathaway came from Evolve. I think Babatunde needs a manager. I think Court Moore needs to be on TV because TV needs managers. And it must have been really awkward for Steve Carino calling that match with his son openly calling himself the unwanted son. I want to make it some kind of a less is more joke, and I can't think of it. <laughs> Damn it. Then we had our Evolve Tag Team Championship match, Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy, two of the members of the Forgotten Unwanted Sons or whatever, against A.R. Fox and Leon Ruff with Ayla and the Skulk. So we figured out what that is now. It's not some kind of a, you know band name or something like that but it kind of is it's totally an indie band name i didn't fucking like the skulk <laughs> hey does the fox say rough 
I think so. Maybe he says the skulk, and that's why they call themselves that. What does the fox say? Rock. Skulk. My note on my EWN article is, what are the skulk? Or what is the skulk? Or who are the skulk? How? Why? When? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like the skulk. But I did like... Fox and Ruff, from what I had seen. They looked like uh, they could have been pretty interesting people that could be in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, maybe. Which made me think of something. You think they're going to do a Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic anymore now that Cody Rhodes is in uh, a whole separate company with Dustin Rhodes? I think they're going to do it with even more bells and whistles on their toes. I could see themselves being too wary to do that and not doing another Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. No, I think you have to. Or, you know what they might do? Knowing how WWE does this sometimes, they might still have a Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, but they might kind of just tweak the name a little bit and be like, well, we're only going to refer to it, for the most part, as the the Tag Team Classic. You know, like, Mauro gets the words from above, don't say the name Dusty Rhodes. Just be like, you know, we've got our tag team classic here that we do every year in NXT. Like, you know what I mean? Graphic still says Dusty Rhodes tag team classic, but nobody says the name. That kind of thing. I'm trying to think of like another legend, but you can't call it the Arn Anderson tag team classic. No, you can't do that. Now they they definitely wouldn't rename it to another person, but I could see them just not doing it. It's the D Generation X tag team invitational. <laughs> But I could see Ruff and Fox being a part of that as like the live event tour portion of that because they usually do that. It's usually like round one of the tag team classic tends to be throughout like the live events and then you kind of continue going forward past that point. Put Fox and Ruff in there. Have them in a tag team. They were pretty fun. I agree. And Air Fox, kind of like Isaiah Scott and even Finn Balor and Ricochet, one of those names that you've been hearing forever. Air Fox should get his chance. I haven't been hearing it forever. I never heard of it before this. Well, that's why I'm here, Tony. If you put ST in front of that, I've heard of Star Fox. I've I never liked the game. Of... Gotta say, I'm gonna get some flack in the comments, but never liked the Star Fox game. Dual barrel roll. No. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Give me uh, Kirby instead. Real quick, top five games of all time. Not in any particular order, but GoldenEye, Donkey Kong Country, Kirby Superstar, Super Mario 3. And uh, not sure if I would just classify them all, but probably like Pokemon Yellow. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Mario 64, I would say NBA, not Jam, but Showtime is a very fun arcade game. I would throw in No Mercy, and here comes the pain. Hmm. Leave your comments below. What's the top five favorite games of all time? We can talk about some other stuff. If you don't want uh, to hear that stuff, well, then don't go over to Fanboys Anonymous, because that's what I do that stuff. So. That's right. Fanboys Anonymous, if I haven't done the plug already, is the movie review side of things, and TV stuff, and comic books, and games, and whatever stuff I pretty much never have the time to do. But if you hit up the Patreon for that, then I might have more time to do it. That's how that works. And I'll help. Yeah, we'll do podcasts about some other things and talk about pop culture and stuff. We get into tag team champions, and then we get the Skulk 
or the Skulkettes or the Skulk uh, fires or something. I'm assuming they're just the Skulk all dancing in the ring. And that's another moment where I was like, yeah, I'm just not taking the Skulk. Then we had uh, one of my least favorite matches, actually. The Catchpoint reunion match. Matt Riddle against uh, Drew Gulak. And I'm a big fan of Drew Gulak. And I think that Matt Riddle's got a lot of positives. But I just couldn't get into this match, really. Yeah, something it was it was like good. It. Like I'm not gonna be like, you know, it's, it sucked, but like I was exhausted at this point too. So that was another thing. Maybe I need to go back and watch it, but are you you kind of in agreement that it was a little bit underwhelming? A little bit underwhelming, and that I thought it would be the match of the weekend. But maybe that's why I felt underwhelmed. Maybe I went into it too high. You know, like Matt Riddle goes into everything too high, but you know, that's a different story. <laughs> um I Bro. thought it would be very good, and it was just good. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that song in my head, and I'm thinking you went into high, yeah. <laughs> high <laughs> yeah, catch point. Uh, they threw out some stuff about that. I'm sure if I would have been like an evolve follower, that would have been a cool mark out moment to me. But since I'm not, didn't you're, really mean you're just getting this day six mark out moment. Yeah. And then we had our Evolve champion, Austin Theory, against our WWN champion, J.D. Drake, in a winner-take-all match. Well, let's talk about Before that, first. though, yes. yeah. Before that, we had Paul Heyman come out. And he... Actually, before that, we had <laughs> Brian Idol, who... I don't know Brian Idol, and I don't know what the fuck's going on here, but this guy comes out, and he just kind of doesn't do anything but, like, try to clear his throat a couple times. What the fuck was happening with this? Well, because... They tease somebody major who, who, without whom, Evolve wouldn't even exist. Brian Idol comes out, don't know who he is, but he can't speak for a reason. And lights go out because it's ECW Arena. Lights go out. Lights come on. Oh shit! Paul Heyman is in the ECW Arena, and he's very humble in the way Paul Heyman typically is. He says, "Thank you for welcoming me home." I never do these things, but I wanted to be here because this is the moment where the industry is going to evolve. And then it must have been a very cool moment for somebody who was only five years old when Brock Lesnar won his first Undisputed Championship. Paul Heyman introduced Austin Theory like he was a motherfucking WrestleMania headliner. Yeah, so I don't know what to take away with this Brian Idol guy, but the look of him looked like somebody that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I signed the guy, <laughs> you know? And I dug the Paul Heyman thing, and I love the line that he put out there. He says, oh, my God, you guys got pyro? We don't have pyro. We don't have pyro. And it's, we want pyro, which I thought was funny. Uh, this cool. is where I noticed when they said something about how Evolve doesn't have countouts. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, that's the thing. That's, why? Well, at least they tried to explain their rules. Unlike AEW, which is letting everything fly, with Jim Ross trying to explain rules. AEW apparently doesn't have disqualifications. It's like, What's going on with this stuff? You know, I'm okay. Is with NXT going to be like we don't have ring bells? I'm okay or... with not having countouts because countouts are typically just used as a backdoor device. 
So I'm okay with not having that aspect. I think that you you need to have that in there just in case. Because there are moments where it ends up being like, oh man, I don't know, this person could end up uh, getting counted out, and oh, they got in at nine, and it's like, wow, I really didn't think that they were going to. Or you could fuck it up like General Jack Aller, <laughs> you know? I, I don't want to harp on this, but how cool must it have been for J.D. Drake and Austin Theory, specifically Austin Theory, to be introduced by Paul Heyman as though he was introducing Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker? I mean, it's got to be a career highlight so far for those guys. Um, and they made it a point to do the whole thing of, like, to really get you to know Austin Theory is a the guy that we are saying is going to be a big deal. Dude looks like Randy Orton or John Cena at, like, the beginnings of their WWE career. Austin Theory is so much money. Why is he not signed? That doesn't make any sense to me. 21 years old. And I keep harping on this because he said it in the middle of the match when Drake kicked out of one of his finishers. He's like, no, I'm the future wrestling. I'm 21 years old. And it floored me. Because this dude looks like he's been wrestling forever, and he's ready to go tomorrow. It's weird when you see, like... You know, it's not all that weird when I see, like, the younger people in NXT sometimes, and they look like they're younger, and they're like, alright, well, they just got signed, and they're gonna be here for a while, and that kind of thing. But when there's somebody like a Velveteen Dream, for instance who that guy knows what he's doing and seems to have a better grasp of stuff that isn't just like athleticism, but, you know, psychology and everything, more than some people that have been doing it for years and years and years. And then you see somebody like an Austin Theory, and both of these guys, real young. And you're like, all right, well, I guess we could just kind of bet all our chips on these guys, you know what I mean? MJF, Austin Theory, and Velveteen Dream are the future of wrestling because they're not even 25. And Insane. Fucking wild. And great, too. Great. Because that's like, if Austin Theory is as good as he is, and he's only 21, Velveteen Dream is as good as he is, and he's only whatever he is, I don't know, 23 or something like that. MJF is 22. Yeah, he's 23, I think. That's... That's such a great sign for those people. They can have John Cena length runs because yeah. they're so young. Austin Theory could have 10 years from now get in his prime. Pete Dunne. You know what? Right now, top five wrestlers under the age of 25. Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, Austin Theory, MJF, and Velveteen Dream. I don't know who else there is in the mix, but that's a good group that's fucking that is a group that can headline SummerSlams, wrestlemania survivor series that's an amazing group uh i don't know if i feel a whole lot of a future ahead for jd drake nope and uh, to be honest i didn't love this match as much as i wanted to i thought this was going to be better and i I'll put some of that on Austin Theory, too. I mean, it is half of his match, but I wanted this to be the type of thing that would be, you know, especially Paul Heyman putting it out there as, like, this is the moment where everything's going to change, and I was like, all right, well, 
for a non WWE type of show and whatever. It was all right. But this didn't make me think of anything of like, wow, you know? Like, I remember that Kota Ibushi and Cedric Alexander match from the Cruiserweight Classic. That made me go, holy fuck. Sign these guys. Bring these guys out here. I get it. I understand why these people are in this tournament, all that stuff. I didn't get that feeling with this. I think the feeling I got for the future was more after the bell ran, where Theory throws down the WWN title, steps on it, and then lights go out, lights come back on. It's Josh Briggs. Josh Briggs lays out Theory with a choke slam and holds up the Evolve title. So, Evolve Championship is the main championship. Josh Briggs, Austin Theory, I get it. Makes a lot of sense. Now, I don't know how WWN works and all that stuff. We broke that down in our prediction side of things, but... I said it before, I mean, if you have a company called Evolve and you want to make that something that's like going forward as like the, you know, if Raw and SmackDown are the A platform and NXT is the B platform, then Evolve is the C platform. Well, it doesn't make any sense to not have an Evolve champion, especially when Austin Theory is the one that's holding it, you know? So I'm wondering what they do with this whole WWN thing. If it's just like that uh, title's going away. Or if maybe he just defends both, or you know what I mean? What do you I think, think it's going away only because he stepped on it. Like, he really made it seem like it didn't matter. Well, I mean, they could do something where it's like he carries that title and he loses it to somebody who's like, you know, you're disparaging that championship and I want to win it or something. You know, like, I don't know how these things work with Evolve because it's like, well, this is Evolve 131 and like tomorrow night they're doing Evolve 132. And it's like, well, okay, that's that's even different, you know? Bro, Josh Briggs, six foot eight, two sixty eight, has only been wrestling for about two and a half years. Nice. This dude is the future. I'm trying to look up his age to see if he would fit. That would suck if he was like forty two or something like that. <laughs> uh, they looked like the real standouts here. And of course there's one other match that's on the card. It's Adam Cole against Akira Tozawa for the NXT championship. This but match unfortunately sucked. Yeah. They, I wasn't feeling this. Ah. Like, I liked that Tozawa got a little bit of a chance to shine, but I don't remember anything about this except for Tozawa hitting his head on the turnbuckle. So can't really crap all over similar things and not say that this one, you know, didn't really fall suit. I didn't believe for a second that Adam Cole was in any kind of jeopardy. Although no. I loved hearing the entire ECW arena say boom in sync. They're just so in sync. And it was just Adam Cole's a star. Josh Briggs is 28. That's good. Um, Yeah, Adam Cole's a star. This was a kind of a throwaway match and yeah i don't have much else to say so overall how do you feel about this evolve thing i thought it was great i thought it was the the best standout show you could have put against all the wrestling they know the audience that they're trying to divide and yeah, just thought it was a really good show. I want to see more of it. I want them to announce that they 
what am I looking for? That's what I'm looking for here. I want to announce that they're going to do these tiered things and do them quick, you know? I think that there's a possible future here for showing some more Evolve stuff. But at the same time, if they say, hey, Evolve is going to have like a weekly show, there's too much. And I'm not going to be able to watch it. Just the same as I don't religiously watch NXT UK. And to be perfectly honest, I don't watch 205 Live as in-depth as I want to. A lot of the times I'm just working on stuff and it's like that's in the background. I do watch NXT still. Like I pretty much sit down and watch that. But it's tough. I mean, nobody watches fucking main event. No. And that's like, I don't want them to be like, okay, well, we'll replace main event with this. And then it'd be like something that I should watch because it's like, it's easy to not watch main event. And if you're going to put these people out there and stuff like there's good things and you know, all that. But I I mean, I, I like my merging. So I kind of look at that as being like, well, crap, send out like six of these people up to NXT already and just be like, all right, there you go. Like make it a factory, you know? And I think Evolve will work great as the feeder system. This is basically what OVW was 15 years ago. And I'm okay with that. It's very good. It's run by a great dude who is the protege of Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's fingers are all over wrestling in 2019. And I don't know how we got here, but it's amazing. It's very interesting. And we're only at the very beginning of this because this week was the first week of like really kind of starting to get into the swing of things. Next week could be completely different. It could be a lot better. It could be a lot worse. Who knows? But those are the hot tags. So as I mentioned before, drop your comments. Tell us what you thought about all these things. What did you think about Evolve? What's your speculation on SmackDown tomorrow night? Anything else you want to chime in on? And while you're doing that, if you're not subscribed, you should be doing that because that's how YouTube works. All the other plugs I mentioned before, I'm not going to rerun them down all over again. But anything else you want to toss out? WrestleZone Daily. I'm also doing WrestleZone post shows for Raw and SmackDown and inevitably AEW when that starts up in October. So check out the WrestleZone radio podcast feed and check out WrestleZone.com on Facebook. Um, Dude Felice, I said that already. Check out all the great weeklies at Smart Out Moment, including the Triple Threat, which I currently run. Won't be doing that for much longer. I'm burned out. I feel like we can be very open on this channel. I'm very much burned out. So there's that. And Time Killer Apparel. And we are not just burned out, but it's time for us to be counted out. See you next time, everybody.